Live from Queensland, Australia, it's the podcast that some people all around the world are talking about. Those wonderful people are our lovely listeners, and now you're one of them too. To you, all of our lovely listeners, we say a hearty yeehaw. Can we get a yeehaw from everyone? Yeehaw! Let's get on with the show then. Hello there, once again, lovely listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Speak Away, Brav. Yeehaw! Oh, he's using the he's using the stream deck this time. He didn't actually do it in person. Yes, I didn't, because I can't. Cooper's got a bit of a sore throat today, everybody, but that's why we've preloaded the yeehaw. We've got it on command, ready to go. Now, as promised in our last episode of the main show, we do have a guest today. Um, she is waiting just off stage because, yes, we record this on a full stage. Um, it's more just for our process rather than, you know, you know, you guys don't need to see that or, or know that we're on a stage. But, you know, it's just part of our process. So she's waiting in the wings. But we just wanted to quickly, as a kind of loose top of the show, because um, I, I don't know if it'll come up later in the episode, but um, we just wanted to address something we spoke about last week. We talked about, sorry, not last week, in the last show, which was two weeks ago. We spoke about the uh, screenwriter strike um, and that there was a pending Screen Actors Guild strike. I'm sure most of you have seen the news and are aware that that strike went into effect um, early, late last week. Um, so, yeah, we just want to wish, you know, I, I want to wish all of my colleagues in the local and international film industry, I, I want to wish you well. Um, I hope that you're doing all right. I've reached out to a lot of people, but, you know, can't get to everyone. Um, you know, and uh, like everyone, you know, the strike has, you know, I'm not working at the moment, so... Uh, we're all kind of in this together and just waiting to see what happens next from this whole situation. So we wish everyone well. And uh, without further ado, let's introduce our guest, Cooper. It yeah. is the one, the only, our mum, Deb. Hello, mum. Hi, boys. How are you going? We're going all right. We're just, you know, doing doing the show. And for once, you know, you're not locked on the other side of the door. You're in the room. I know. It's very different to see what goes on inside the locked room. Yes, yeah, so you just hear Cooper screaming from the other end of the room. I have to edit out a lot of that. But you just hear Cooper screaming and now, now you get to see why he screams. Yeah, and I also have to move around the house stealth-like so that we don't make any noise, so that we don't interrupt the podcast. But oh, now you're yeah. in the zone. Now you're in the zone and it's other people who are having to sneak around outside. Get your head in the game. Yeah. Of okay. course, not Declan, our wonderful producer, who just the other day had his birthday. Happy birthday, Declan. 21 today. 21 years old. Um. So, yes, of course, Declan's not the one sneaking around, but, you know, other people, just random people who enter our home, you know, hopefully they'd be being stealthy anyway, but, you know, just in case. So, Mum, how are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good today. Fantastic. Now, do, do you know what we're going to be talking about today? 
No, I don't know what we're going to be talking about today. And neither do the listeners because there is no precedent for a Speak Away Bruv interview with a guest. So Cooper and I, and mainly me, unless Cooper, unless you really want to talk about how we're going to format this interview. No, you can do the boring stuff. Right. It's because Cooper doesn't remember our, our important meetings. Well, I didn't listen, so how am I supposed to know? Well, there you go. So the way that Cooper and I, and he did agree to it at the time, he just can't remember agreeing to it, the way that we want to uh, do these episodes where we have a guest on is we want to use a format familiar to Speak Away Bruv listeners. We want to do a top five. And basically what we want to do is at the at the top half of the interview here, we're going to ask in this case, mum, to give us five facts. Now, they can be fun facts. They can be random facts. They can be facts about life, career, really anything that you're comfortable talking about, mum, that you want to talk about. You know, if there's a, a cause you're passionate about, if there's, you know, an idea that you've been thinking about, if there's a meme you want to share, all of these things are on the table. Um, if there's a story. Is that a cell phone? <laughs> no, Miss Darvis. <laughs> I was going to say, someone get out the cell phone bucket. We've already Mr. had. Bolton, we will see you in detention. <laughs> within five minutes of our first episode with a guest, we've already had the guest bring in a cell phone that has gone off. I'm sure you can guess who was calling. I'm sure ah. I, I'm sure I can. Anyway. It is the governor. The governor. The phone's on silent. I'm not answering the phone. The governor general or like a governor of a state in, in, in America? The governor of the US. I don't oh, know okay. who. Because if you'd said the governor, I would have been like, oh, yes, I understand. But you said the governor. Oh, well. You had too much phonetics on it. Anyway, so that's how we're going to format the interview. So basically up, up the top we're going to do, you know, some some facts and then – um. You know, as as we get into the show, um, we'll just kind of talk about about those things. So, Mum, can you please give us five facts? Okay, five facts. Um, I don't even know where to start, but sure. Uh, It's okay. You don't need to know where to start. You just need to start. So five facts about me. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Five facts about you, stories that you want to tell, things that you've done in your life, things that you want to do in life, you know, dreams, aspirations, goals, all that kind of thing. It's all on the table, literally, because there's a lot of stuff on the table. It's very much a mess. Yes, that's pet beef of mine but anyhow well there you go that's a fact you could talk about if you really wanted to a pet beef (laughs) have you got a cow (laughs) (laughs) maybe that's a fact you could talk about see there's so many options okay so there we go right well let's start there so um i am a person that doesn't like clutter um so when there's clutter and mess around, I feel like it messes with my brain. So maybe that's the school teacher in me. I'm not really quite sure. But what I do know is that I like everything to have its place. That's a challenge when you have 
three sons and a husband. Um, that can be very challenging. But what I try to do is organise. I try to have an organised home and an organised life and an organised mind. I guess that's what it is. And I be like involved in organised crime. No, not that last one. No organised crime. I'm Are you dead sure? against organised crime. In in my in my show notes, I'm putting organised crime question mark. <laughs> no organised crime. So I um I have the home edit books. They're two girls from America that have organised life over there. I've watched the home edit show. I follow the home edit on social media. I have great intentions of having. And organised everything. Of course, every day a spanner gets thrown in those works, which is both frustrating to me, but also... And also a lot of hardware tools getting thrown yeah. at you. <laughs> That's a lot of spanners that yeah, gets every was, day. It is. I was about to say, you can get your clean home once there's nobody else living in your home. It can just be you. Yeah, maybe that is a goal of mine. There you go. Although I don't ever think that goal will be reached. So probably it's quite unrealistic. Um, so, yeah, I like organisation and I don't like clutter and mess. And, yeah, I like everything to have its place. And I feel like my brain and me as a person, I work better when everything's clean. I'm one of those people that cleans out the pantry and then spends the next week walking and opening the pantry door just so I can see the clean pantry because it makes me feel good. Right, okay. Uh, oh, wow. So much judgment radiating <laughs> from from the second mic. <laughs> what were you going to expect? She's talking about cleaning a pantry. Well, you know, she's talking about something she's passionate about, Cooper, and we let you talk about cars for 15 years of every day. Yeah, but people are actually interested in that. Some Only sometimes. Some people are interested in cleanliness and organisation and declutter. I'd rather hear about this cow that you've got. <laughs> Well, maybe that's the second fact, Cooper. So why don't you shut up and let her get into her second fact? We've done the first one, second one. Um, so I suppose the next thing that um, is probably not a well-known fact about me is that for most of my life, I've been a volunteer. So um, for most of my life, I've volunteered for a local sporting Association, actually a number of local sporting associations. And to this day, I still volunteer for a local sporting organisation. Um, and probably that's because my parents have spent most of their lives volunteering for sporting organisations. And I guess that because that's what they did in their spare time, in inverted commas, um, I guess that dragged me into that world. So I've been doing it since I was about 10. So yeah, for more than 40 years, I've been a volunteer. And a lot of people probably don't know that about me because it's not something that I do loudly. It's something that I do very much in the background. Okay, so that's fact number two. Fact number two, we're going into fact number three. Okay, so people that have known me for a really long time um, may or may not be listeners of Speak Away Bruv, but um, what feels like in a previous life, although it wasn't in a previous life, it was most certainly in this life, I was um, a highly trained ballet dancer. I started ballet when I was three 
I also played netball, but I had to give the netball up by the time I was about 13 because I just couldn't fit ballet and high-level netball into my life. Um, so I was forced, I suppose, by my parents to make a choice because it was actually becoming ridiculous trying to get to ballet classes, netball training, netball games. I was actually making myself physically sick. So I needed to make a choice. So I chose to give up the netball um, and keep going with the ballet. Um, and I have done all of my RAD ballet exams right up to advance. So when you get your advanced RAD um, exam, you get letters after your name. So I have letters after my name for ballet as well as letters after my name for my couple of university qualifications. So, um, and I was a founding member of a local ballet company and I then um, went, I did five years of full-time ballet when I finished year 12. Um, and then I went to uni and did um, ballet before I did my teaching qualification. So it does feel like it's a whole nother lifetime ago and most of the people that are part of my life now didn't know me when I was a ballet dancer. So they know that I'm a teacher and that I'm a dance teacher, but they didn't know that I had that 20-year ballet career before I became a teacher. There you go. I would say, what a fun fact. <laughs> All right, so that's the third fact. Let's go with number n number number four. Maybe I should start saying the numbers because you apparently can't say them. How about you move out of the way because I can't see your mother? Okay. Who is also my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Coincidentally. Just weird, right? Randomly. Maybe that's the next fact. I guess we'll find out. I thought I had the next fact in my brain and now it's escaped my brain. Oh, no. It ran away <laughs> screaming probably. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> that's, a bit, that's a bit traumatic. I don't think this podcast is going that badly. <laughs> okay, so then teaching obviously is something that I'm passionate about. I've been doing that for um, 30 years. But to be honest, I've probably been doing that for longer than 30 years because even when I was a student, a ballet student, I used to teach ballet classes. So maybe the writing was on the wall very, very young, like when I was probably about Cooper's age, that I was going to go into teaching. So I used to teach the junior students at the ballet studio that I went to when I was still a student. And then when I um, was at uni doing my teaching degree, I also had a job teaching at a local ballet school. And then, um, and then I went into teaching. The way that I got my first teaching job was that um, I, there was an ad in the paper after I finished my teaching qualification and I answered the ad. And um, when I went to the interview, um, I was only 22 and they, um, 
I did the interview and at the end of the interview they told me that I was overqualified and had no experience so they didn't want to hire me. Which was interesting because, of course, I was 22. I had no experience. I'd just come out of uni and overqualified. Why wouldn't you hire someone that was overqualified? But anyway, I went away from that interview. I didn't get that job. I went back to supply teaching for a while. And then almost exactly one year later, the same school had an ad, the same ad for a dance teacher again. And... Because it was only one year after that, so I was now 23 and I'd only done a handful of supply days in that year because I had a full-time job working somewhere else, um, I wasn't going to apply for that job and uh, my parents said, no, you should apply for the job and I said, but a year ago I was overqualified, too young with no experience and a year later I'm still overqualified I'm probably still too young, I'm only a year older and I haven't had any more experience, so why would they hire me? But I did apply because you have to do what your parents tell you, boys. You have to do what your parents tell you. Sorry, what? Um, Sorry, I, I don't think I got that memo. <laughs> Can you just say that again? I don't some think reason, anyone heard. For that, some reason that's not appearing in my notes. I keep typing it, but yeah. it just doesn't seem to appear. Even, oh, when, even oh. when you don't agree, sometimes you have to listen to your parents. And this is an example of where if I hadn't listened to my mother... I probably wouldn't have had a 30-year career teaching high school. So I did apply for the job um, begrudgingly and I did get an interview and I walked into that interview and the same people were sitting in the room, the principal of the school and the head of department. And when I walked into the room, they said to me, oh, we're so glad that you applied for this job again. You don't have an interview. We're actually giving you the job right now and we're about to take you on a tour of the school and show you where your staff room is. So they said it was our mistake. We thought we'd go with someone more experienced than you and older than you. And that was that didn't go well. So clearly, clearly it didn't go My well because goodness. we've put an ad in the paper and here you are. And we've yeah. we've put an ad in the paper to try and lure you out <laughs> <laughs> without putting your name on we've, it. We've <laughs> lured you into a trap, but it's a good trap. We're offering you a job. So Don't worry, we <laughs> offered your parents money to make sure you they brought you here. Anyway, so that, um, as they say, is history because since that day, I have worked for a state education department consistently for the last 30 years since that day there you go what what a story i mean i think that i think that there was a bit of corrupted audio in the middle there about listening to your parents but <laughs> yeah not i did corrupted audio but i, I think that the that. story around that i think that we'll be able to salvage that a great life yeah. lesson we children can, we can salvage that with this yeah oh i thought you were going to go for the don't press it for that long. You'll hurt people's ears. <laughs> Mostly mine. Because um, I've got to listen to this show so many times. All right. And look at that. We're on the final, final, final fact. This way of doing it is not working for me. Well, guess what? The audience will be the judge. I don't need it to work for you. I need it to work for them. Anyway, the final fact. Okay, this is... Probably the hard one then. Um, the final fact. Things that I'm passionate about. 
Um, well, I suppose because I've been a teacher for so many years and because I've taught secondary school, which is teenagers, for so many years, um, and because I've raised three teenagers while well, I'm still in the process of one. but Huh? I've, Sorry. I've I think I missed another thing. I've gotten through two. I'm on the last It's one. okay. The other two have been raised very well and it's not her fault about the third. <laughs> He's just... <laughs> He's unteachable. Son. (laughs) Anyhow. You're not my dad. You're my baby brother. (laughs) Luke, I am not your father. Oh, wait, what? I did not kill your father. I am your father. (laughs) You're a weirdo. Anyhow, um, I think that to be um, working in secondary school and with teenagers for such a long time, you need to obviously be passionate about young people and about. teaching them or, or guiding them through um, what is really a pretty challenging um, phase of life. Um, and, yeah, I like working with young people. I really like it. I have a lot of people say to me in my life, um, I don't know how you work with those teenagers. I don't know how you do your job. Well, I just get up in the morning and put my uniform on and go to school and do my job. And I actually really enjoy it for the most part. Um, I've, um, had some leave this year and I've just gone back to it and, um, yeah, I, I just really enjoy working with young people. So yeah, that's, that's my last fact about me. There we go. There are the initial facts and look at that. We've already done like 20 minutes of the episode just on the facts. There you go. And now we've got so much more time. lucky that I'm such an interesting person. There we go. You know, Yawn. <laughs> Can you tell that Cooper was not on board with having mum as a guest, whereas I'm like, haha, I understand guests. You don't. I understand guests. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Anyhow. Anyway. Anyway. Sibling bickering aside, because otherwise mum will, you know, go full mum mode on this podcast. <laughs> it's our podcast, so you should just let us vamp. Um. Let's go back to the first fact. So, Mum, you like an organised life. You like an organised home. You may be like organised crime. It's <laughs> un- I don't approve organised crime. It's unconfirmed. Let's make that statement She's very the one clear. that stops the organised crime. I you have know? stopped She's the one a lot of organised crime She's in my job as a teacher. So don't worry. It's okay. I've already flagged that as something we'll come back to. Don't worry. She'll... Sit on the roof with the sniper rifle ready. <laughs> right, okay. Wait, th- as part of organised crime? No, just no, stop it. stop it. Oh, to stop it. Oh, maybe that's what I've made a note of, that you stop organised crime. I don't know. I no, just, it says organised crime. Everything, yeah, but it's got a question mark. It's, <laughs> it's, it, these things come in threes, you know. I have um, witnessed some organised crime and I do stop it when I witness it. There we go. Great intentions, cruel intentions, good vibrations. See, these things have to come in threes. So, you know, to, to paint a picture for our audience, the desk that we are shooting this podcast at Is looks, a goddamn mess and it's really doing me in. Yes. it's. Um, I'm getting some more of those mics, those headphone holders because... This needs to be much well, more Well, I was about to organized. ask, what what would you do, Mum, to clean this area? 
Well, I'd throw what's, everything what's the out. Well, I'd start with the rubbish that's on the desk, and that would be what gone. Rubbish on the desk. Oh, rubbish. that rubbish. And it's over at your end. Water not bottles. Not <laughs> there's empty water bottles, etc. That's not a water bottle. That's a Gatorade it's bottle. It's empty, and it should be in the recycling. <laughs> um, there's receipts and and containers, and yeah, it needs. Anyway, I'm going to take charge of this. Don't you worry. This will be. Mm, this can will I? Be, this will be home edit organised in no time. Can I just make a statement? I don't know what that means. Can well, I you're going to find out. Can I just make a statement? Do you have to? Yes. Okay. See, we are sitting on the stage here. And to the... Stage the is too messy. <laughs> <laughs> to the right, there is another desk, which is my desk, where I do work. Because School Cooper work. likes to work with an audience. Exactly. And can I just say, that is not a complete mess. I'm saying that as it probably is. I well, mean, I will just note that there's currently a computer in the way. Why but would I you move your computer and put it over there? Because it was sitting on the end of the desk where mum currently is. Because I'm... That's fine. I'm decluttering it. Anyway. <laughs> I'm trying to... Well, you've done I'm trying to job. train these children to declutter. <laughs> I don't know how successful I'm being, but I'm trying. I mean, one of us isn't a hoarder. Sadly, one of us is. Yeah, but she's also a hoarder. No, no, no. I have decluttered. I might have been a hoarder in my former life. I'm no longer a hoarder. My goodness. Wow. That's what have you the, done the with the way the old that you mom? stared us both directly in the <laughs> eyes at the same time as you said that, and we're not really sitting like next to each other, next to each other. You know, that was quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so th- there are some suggestions to, to clean our, our space. Maybe we will. Well, um, Bailey, you have had a number of weeks to clean your space. And I've given, you, uh, I've given you a timeline and told you if it's not done by the end of this I'm week, I'm sorry, this I is a shared space. Not this space, mate. Sure. Not this space. My room is a different situation. It we'll get there. It will be an uncluttered clean situation very shortly. Can I just say, you're the room that took the one with the massive cinema there. You need to clean that as well. Oh, don't worry. Mumsy's onto that. <laughs> and now is apparently calling herself Mumsy. That's interesting. <laughs> All right. So so we've we've talked about decluttering. It's we'll really important. I you can't find anything if it's a mess. The frustrating thing I is I sometimes can't, can't find, find things when it is not a mess because I don't know where things have been well, hidden label, away. Label the drawers and things. That's what makes things fun. It's a treasure hunt. Label you know, makers. That's what you've cleaned up for. the kitchen and I don't know where the tape went until the other day when I found the tape. Well, all you had to do was ask and I would have told you where the tape was. Yeah, but we don't ask. Yes, but mum, you can't find your phone in a room where there are n- is no furniture. So no, I mean, well, I can now because <laughs> I have the thing on my f- my watch that beeps my phone. Yeah, That's yeah but the best you thing don't that was have, ever invented. When you don't have your watch on, like now, <laughs> now we need to get one on your keys so that you stop losing those as well. I don't lose my keys. I'm, um, not the I'm key sorry. Loser. Flick back to mm. yesterday. Cut to yesterday. <laughs> yes, but you put them under a thing. I didn't touch them. <laughs> they were under a thing when that I arrived. Is, that is so inaccurate. <laughs> it's not inaccurate. It's an inaccurate. I story. did not touch them. You were leaning on them and they were hidden under you. I didn't know they were there. <laughs> well, they were there as we found out. <laughs> Or what is this noise sort of you're making? <laughs> some sort of breakdown. <laughs> Sounds like sure. you're a predator. Like you're the predator. 
I hope everyone's got popcorn for this episode. <laughs> I hope they have popcorn for every episode. We're Anyhow, entertaining. Yes. Anyway. Thank you. So into the, the second thing you talked about, which is which is your volunteering. Mm-hmm. So um, our grandparents, your parents, have both volunteered with a number of different sporting associations. How... How has your level of volunteering and involvement shifted and changed over the years, you know, since, because, you know, they've been doing that since you were, how old? And then how has your involvement kind of waxed and waned through the different parts of your life? Well, I feel like my parents volunteered, like, from when they were very young because they've they've volunteered in lots of different sporting arenas depending on um, what their interests were in sport and then what their children's interests were in sport. Um, So they haven't just done one thing. But obviously um, from the time that I was old enough to do a job at a a club, um, which was probably about the time I was 10, I – regularly um did volunteer um i wasn't sporty spice so it was my brothers who were in sport because as previously mentioned i did ballet from the time i was three and the only sport that i did myself was netball which i did do for about 10 years but then as mentioned i had to give that up so my volunteering with sporting is more because supporting um, my parents and my brothers in their sport and how's it changed well obviously it wasn't um, very um, administrative when I was young when I was um, like between 10 and 20 or 25 let's say it was more um, volunteering as in hands-on volunteering as in doing Mm -hmm. jobs at training at um, events etc um, but then as I've gotten older, I um, have taken um, positions on various committees where um, administrative tasks need to be done um, and I still do those sorts of things now. Fantastic. Mm. It's giving back to your community, I suppose. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's it's something that's, being lost i think largely because the oh people want to be paid for everything now but i don't even know if it's necessarily people want to be paid for everything well it is that but you know we are in in this country in a oh what do they call it i forgot i've literally had it in my brain and then it's gone a cost of living crisis that's oh, it absolutely we are in a cost of living crisis. and i think that you know, in in that situation, it's not just the cost of living; it's it's the time needed to, you know, facilitate all of that. You know, people are having to work, you know, longer hours or multiple jobs over longer periods of time in order to facilitate their lives, and it kind of removes a lot of that time. Agreed. All um, of those things are true. And I don't have a lot of time either. Yeah. But I think that um, understanding that sometimes even in your paid job, you have to do work that goes beyond what you get paid for. Just That's just a fact. 
mm. is something that I've always done. So even in my paid job as a teacher, I've had to work many, many hours that I wasn't paid for, but that's just part of the job. And if you're not prepared to give a little bit of your unpaid time to anything, whether that's volunteering for something or even just getting yourself like doing a little bit of extra work to make your job and whatever it is that you're doing as a job better, easier, um, more more consistent. You can't be paid for every single thing that you do as much as you'd like to be and I understand that there's a cost of living crisis and um, it affects me as much as it affects anybody else but... I don't know. I guess that's just how I was brought up. I was brought up to yeah. not think that I should be paid for that. I think that it's, for me, the mentality I bring to it, um, particularly from, you know, the entertainment space in in film and TV, there's a lot, there's a very, um, particularly in the work that you usually start in, which is lower budget, there's, a, there's an expectation of kind of internships. And yeah, you know, which are unpaid work. Which is unpaid work. And I think that, you know, there is... And you did do a number of internships before you got a hundred percent. And I and I still, you know, even when I was getting more consistent work, I was still doing little, you know, um, internships or different opportunities. I think for me what my mentality is surrounding that is... You know, it's all context-based, you know. Like, I would not intern for one of the big media companies, you know. We're talking Warner Brothers. We're talking Disney because if they can't afford to pay me, how is any production company going to afford to pay me, you know? I think also when I was growing up and I was at school, we did work experience. Now, I still work in school. I don't see a lot of work experience anymore. We used mm. to have to do work experience in year 10 and in year 12. So you actually had to nominate a place and you had to go there for a week and you had to work in it for a week. Obviously, it was unpaid because you are only a teenager and you are only learning. But I have to say that over the years that I've been teaching, work experience isn't as big a thing anymore. No, it isn't. It becomes... A, an, a university experience because, and Cooper and I have talked about it a number of times on this show and I've had a number of conversations about it recently, you know, the introduction of standardized testing and, you know, large scale results sharing of schools and the kind of prestige associated with that has completely robbed schools of their educational value beyond Academia. T beyond academia. You know, you don't learn. I was no. talking to someone the other day and I'm desperately trying to remember the conversation, but we were basically, oh, we, I, I was I was talking to a, a mutual family friend of ours about how, you know, when they were in school, you know, they would, you know, write everything and there's a bunch of neurological benefits associated with just writing things, but also just little skills like knitting and crocheting. Typing. Typing, I mean, we but typing was a subject. But these like um, activities that aren't high stimulus, but they're high motor function, or they're you know just activities that aren't necessarily 
career focused life skills, but they are still important life skills. Uh, yeah, they're individually important skills to develop. And, Absolutely. and I think that those are things that have really fallen out of the modern um, Well, I think that framework. we at school now is just the place where you teach the curriculum to pass the exam. Yes. And that's all well and good, but there are a lot of people, um, teenagers at school who aren't going to go to university. And even if they are going to go to university, that doesn't mean they don't need those other experiences, those other skills to understand how they can function in the real world. And the curriculum is so packed and there is so much pressure on staff to um, teach units and units and units of work in relatively short spaces of time that Mm. it's just impossible for you to allow kids to have a week of work experience in year 10 and a week of work experience in year 12 to get them out having to communicate with people they don't know and having to take direction from people they don't know, which is yeah. what we did when we were at school. Yeah, I I mean, I might jump because we're kind of already very much in the weeds in this conversation about teaching. I might jump to... Um, the fourth fact you shared about teaching, you know, you've been teaching for 30 years. Yeah. So what is the change that you've seen in that period of time from where, where things were in, you know, the nineties versus where they are today in terms of the priorities of, you know, as an educator, have your priorities changed or have you just seen that around you the priorities of the institution has changed and you have had to not necessarily adjust your priorities but adjust the way you go about teaching in order to meet those institutional priorities? Well, I mean, it's with, it goes without saying that education over 30 years has changed ridiculously. Um, When I got my first job, we didn't even have a computer in the staff room. So there were no computers. Um, We didn't carry devices around. Um, Obviously, everything was handwritten by the students or hand prepared by us. Um, Overhead projector machines were still and I used to carry around those little bins. Sorry, I'm just having to put smelling salts under Cooper's nose because I think he fainted when he heard no devices. (laughs) It's a world that you probably can't understand because it's a world that existed long before either of you two did. But um, it was very hands-on. Teaching was a very hands-on job and there weren't devices and learning was a very hands-on job for Mm. students, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I think that over time, and it's not whether it's bad or good. I mean, that's just times have changed and that's the reality. But the challenge for me as a teacher having come through a schooling system where obviously we didn't even have these things and then even starting my teaching career without having computers or things. Now when I go to school, I don't carry one device. I carry at least two. Usually I've got three. Um, Everything is done electronically pretty much now um, other than obviously we're standing in front of students and we're actually talking, although when we went into lockdown in the pandemic, we weren't even doing that. That That was all happening electronically over 
Zoom and things like that. Um, but, you know, that's been hugely ch- challenging for me because I wasn't brought up in a technology era and yet I've had to upskill myself so that I can still work in a technology era and work effectively as a teacher of people like yourselves, young people who are much, much more tech savvy than I am. Um, and that's that's hard work for someone like me who didn't like I didn't grow up with these things. So I've had to I've actually had to educate myself and upskill myself to stay to stay in a position where I can effectively continue to teach. The actual teaching itself, um, the practical teaching itself probably hasn't changed a lot. Mm. Um, that's probably the same, but a lot of the stuff that sits around the practical teaching is incredibly, incredibly different now. And the stress on both teachers and students is massive, is massive. Yeah, it's huge. I, I do have a question for you, you know, given that you, you have this breadth of experience and as you say, you know, technology isn't second nature to you because it's not a, a, a formative skill. It's very much no. a skill that you've the had to develop. Skill. Yeah. Do you, have you found that, <coughs> apologies, have you found that over the 30 years as you've been teaching, as these bolt-on skills have kind of come up and you've got students coming in who have it as, have technology usage particularly as a formative skill, do you find that the relationship between teachers and students, because I found in my experience, you know, being someone with formative technical skills, so a, a formative technical skill set going through school, I felt like I had a very, um, particularly with some teachers, not with all, but some teachers it was very much a um, a a give and receive almost in terms of, you know, they're obviously giving me all of their educational and academic expertise, but I'm giving them a, a technical skill set almost because oh, of my presence. Do you think that that, that relationship has always been like that or do you think it was more of a one-way street that has, through necessity, become more of a two-way street? I think that, um, yes, absolutely. I'm very upfront with my students. Well, you have to be and um, work a classroom on a mutual respect level and if I'm struggling with some technology, I'll be the first person to put my hand up and say, "Does can anybody work this TV or this projector or this whatever it is? And usually students are pretty quick to jump in and help you. And I think that whilst it didn't happen from a technology perspective in the old days, I still think it happened from a perspective. You know, if you were teaching a a phys ed class on the oval back in the 90s and um, you forgot a piece of equipment, you know, a student would always run and get it for you or or give you that hand. I think that if you you have that level of mutual respect with your students, even you develop it from the when they come into high school, I think that um, I think that that two way street has always existed. Um, that's certainly been my experience in the mm. classroom. Um, I'm the first person to um, uh, pull them up if they do something that's against the rules or the wrong thing. But I don't do that 
from a um, from a punitive point of view, I do that from a um, like we all have to live within rules. Like they have to live within rules, and they don't like it. Well, as a teacher, we have to live within rules, and we might not always like that either. But that's society, and that's life, and that's the way it is. So. I think that definitely um, it's been helpful to teach teenagers because they certainly can fix things when I can't fix them. Um, and I've been known to scream out um, Bailey at the top of my voice in a house when things don't work here from a technological she hasn't, perspective. She hasn't done it at, at the level she usually would. But imagine if you've seen the Alvin and the Chipmunks film, imagine how uh, Dave says Alvin. It's like... Yeah, I've Another been known to scream names in this house like that when things aren't working for me from a technology sense because it does get frustrating. Mm. Another thing is if you watch an episode of the Grand Tour where Jeremy's playing off a billionaire, he yells out Giovanni, you know the line, Mum. Keeper, that's your favourite thing to yell out. Yeah. Yes. Where you go, Giovanni! I hear that often. Mm. It's it's you know very in Cooper's wheelhouse to be requesting you know a servant of some kind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got one right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, I would like to ask you about being a cop. What about being a cop? Well, you stated you stated earlier in in the show that you're that you're vehemently against, against organised crime and that you are, in fact, a, a fighter of crime. Prove it. Declan's tell us about, got you on the jury. Tell us about your crime-fighting career. I mean, Declan is our legal counsel, so he <laughs> he's very much in the fight with you. But tell us about your your fight against against crime. Well, I think what's not always understood is that teaching is multifaceted. So when you are a teacher... Um, obviously you spend a lot of time with young people, arguably more time than perhaps their parents spend with them, particularly as they get older. And, um, you know, like in all, um, walks of life, um, sometimes they make mistakes and sometimes they make bad decisions and sometimes, um, teachers are the ones that have to, um, call out those bad decisions and, help them to learn lessons from them because whilst we all make mistakes, it's really important that we learn from them so that we don't keep making the same mistake over and over again. And so over the years, I've broken up my fair share of um, playground fights or jumped in the middle of swinging arms. I mean, we, we don't do that as much these days. If we can, you avoid mean people it. who are like frolicking in the fields, sound no, of music style? No, <laughs> they're like none of that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Probably more, you know, um, the the film clip "Beat It," where the two gangs come. Oh, <laughs> come okay. <converge. laughs> more, um, more like the sharks and jets yeah, kind of yeah, deal. Yeah, the sharks and jets kind of deal. Swinging arms, as in they're doing some epic choreography, and you're <laughs> like, "Hey, hey, I appreciate the hustle, but none of that." <laughs> I do appreciate the fantastic choreography, but, um, yeah, and, you know, other things um, that happen at school, um, you know, it's, you have to, there's there's a responsibility that comes with being a teacher and that responsibility is that it's your job at all times and in all situations to keep all students safe, Um, whether that's... um, 
going and informing somebody that a student you know is currently truanting and that means that they're outside the gate and they're not therefore protected by us because that's kind of our job is that when parents drop their kids at the gate or send their, put the kids on the bus in the morning or send them out walking to school is that it's our job then to take over the parental role in, in um, ensuring that young people are safe and happy and if students are sometimes breaking the rules or not doing the right thing, that does put them at risk. And I think that it's very much our responsibility to not get them in trouble for that, but to make them understand that, um, you know, the re the rules are there for a reason and the world outside that gate can sometimes be um, not a particularly great one. And mm. that our responsibility is to make sure that when they walk out the gate as they finish year 12 as a 17 or 18 year old that hopefully we've armed them with um, the skills and the knowledge that can take them off into their life and and let them be whatever it is that they want to be but some of them are in a hurry to get out that gate and they're not quite ready for that and so you know it's important that um it's important that I don't just talk the talk, I need to walk the walk as well. So if mm. I'm going to expect them to follow the rules, then I need to follow the rules as well. And my rules yeah. are a little bit um, a little bit more serious than those rules because their rules because my rules involve what I what I'm what I have to do from a mandatory perspective in terms mm. of their care. They can't walk around a corner and find you smoking a joint with a bottle of whiskey in your hand, you That's know. That's very unlikely to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd well, say that that's definitely school, not impossible. On school grounds, I would hope so. Save that for the comfort of your home. I mean, not, no, no, we're at I home. I think that that wouldn't happen even at home, to be honest. You yeah. think you should know. You well, should know. Well, I do know because. That's Mum, you're really validating my question mark behind organised crime. There's no organised crime. We know. Yes. You're, you're, you're too we much know. of a. Don't smoke. You're don't too do much drugs. of a cop. Yeah, I am. We know. I am a cop. Maybe that's what I was in a former life. Not really sure. Maybe. Maybe maybe you were one of those, you know, a, a, a bobby policeman, you know, one of the... Actually, there's a picture of me in a costume for that. I played that in a dance once. Oh, well, I'd go. love to see that. I've got I a think picture I have of me in a bobby it. police officer with a big hat and a... And a what was it called? A baton. One of the, one a of the baton. batons. Yeah. I Very, will pay I mean, money there's also, to see there's it. also a picture of me in an outfit like that when I did Pirates of Penzance. What? Yeah, so I want to post this to speak that. away, bruv, Instagram. When the foeman bears his steel, ta-ra, ta-ra, ta-ra. Love it. Um, okay, so we've we've jumped around a bit. Um, I think I'm going to go your fifth fact now because we are talking about schools and young people. Now, you, you're, you're passionate about young people, mum, but you're also passionate about about things that they're interested in, despite not being a young person. Three examples that I can think of off the top of my head is Taylor Swift. Yep. Twilight. Yep. And a third one that I thought I'd think of by the time I finished that statement because things come in threes, but I have not yet thought of one. So talk about Taylor Swift and Twilight and I'll come up with a third one before we get to the end of this this minute. Well, I think that and when you teach what, what Cooper and what, and this is where I leave the studio. Bye. Um, I think that when you oh wow, he's really teach gone. young people, and you spend a lot of time with young people, I think that you also need to be able to, um, 
Well, I mean, to be honest, the Twilight thing is only because I, d- I chose um, A Thousand Years by Christina Perry for one of my classes last year for the Estepford because it's a lovely song. It and, is. It's a beautiful song. Um, I choreographed a piece for them which they performed at the Estepford. And so I had to listen to that song hundreds of times because you do need to do that when you choreograph a piece. And I remember one day in the classroom, one of the students said, um, you know, this is from the movie Twilight, right, miss? And I said, oh, is that is that where it comes from? Because I didn't know that. I apparently, I believe the Twilight thing was like 2008. Well, I had a baby in 2008. That baby sitting there is the baby that I had in 2008. And so I was kind of a little busy in 2008 and I didn't really get around the Twilight thing because I was raising my third child, having and raising my third child and working at that time. So I apparently missed or went to sleep. I don't know. I missed the whole Twilight thing. It was not a vibe for me. And it was a great thing that you did. Anyhow, um, this child, this student said to me um, and and they were like, well, you should, you should watch it. And I went, really? Do I need to watch it? Because we're doing the dance from and the, we're using the song from it for the dance. And they're like, well, yes, you should. So I don't know. I decided to start watching it, and, and I w- she's never stopped. Well, actually, that's an inaccurate statement. I wouldn't say that I have a lot of time in my life to watch movies of any description right now, but I did watch it, and I did read the books. So I watched the movies first, and then I've subsequently read the books. And to be honest, they were the first books I've probably read for twenty years because. Mm. As a busy working mother, I don't have a lot of time for books. But what it did remind me is that I do need to make time for that because I actually enjoyed that reading. So And audiobooks are now a thing. Yes, and I do have the audiobooks and I have other books now, audiobooks. So I do I do, do a bit of reading. So the one thing that watching or choosing that song at the beginning of last year for a dance and then watching those movies and then reading those books did is – I do do a lot more reading now. Well, because you've had a thousand years has been in our family iTunes account since I still use iTunes and it's been a long time. Yeah, because I really like Christina Perry. Yeah. So I've used other songs of hers before. Um, So um, Jar of Hearts, other songs from Christina Perry, um, I'm Only Human. Uh, I've used those songs in my um, toolkit of choreography before. Obviously, music is pretty important to me in my job and I've used lots and I'm always on the lookout for a great song to choreograph a piece to um, and Christina Perry does create some great songs. So, yeah. That if you want great songs, just let me know. My playlist is where it's happening. Cooper will agree with me. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, but that just because it's a good song in a playlist doesn't always make it a great song for choreography. I do have some great songs for, for choreography, though. They are all slow, sad songs, though. Yeah, well... So, you know, blood memories. Sure, blood memories are great. That's a type of assessment that they do at, at mum's school, not like some weird twilight well, we blood actually, ritual. Well, we actually, unfortunately, don't do it anymore. But in a previous... Oh. in a Before ATAR... Oh, okay, Pre- so in a previous HR, curriculum. In a previous curriculum, the Year 12s would choose a personal memory and create a work, which was both um, incredibly um, rewarding for them and cathartic for them. Um, and, yeah, they were often memories that they maybe suppressed for a long time. So, yes, slow, 
sad songs was sometimes used, not always, but sometimes used. But we don't um, we don't do that assessment anymore. Okay, so circling back to the third fact to kind of for the last little bit of the podcast because we're nearly at an hour. But, you know, so you talk about, you know, your, your extensive experience with ballet and, you know, by the time you're in your early 20s, you've been doing ballet for pretty much your entire life. Yeah. Um, what... What was it for you? Was was it just a time investment thing that led you to choose ballet over netball? Were there other factors? What what kind of was it? Because it, it seems like you really had the choice to go one way or the other. Mm. Um, what do you think it was that, that pushed you towards ballet? Um, well, it certainly I was probably more talented as a netball player. Um, I played rep netball. Um, and I'd played netball probably from when I was, I don't know, six or something. So I'd had started ballet earlier. It wasn't my choice to start ballet. My mum put me into ballet. Mm. Um, I was hyperextended and, um, like had hyperextended joints and things. And I think she thought that that would be really good for my posture and stuff and my, and my core strength and things like that. So she put me into that. And, um, then it was probably more my choice to start netball. Um, and my godmother was my netball coach. And so I used to be quite immersed in netball. Um, but I think when it came down to it, when I, I really wanted to keep doing both, but I was actually physically sick every single Saturday night because I was going to early dance classes, early Saturday morning. Then mum was picking me up. I was getting changed into my netball uniform. I would then go in the heat of the day and play a full on netball game. And then I would get changed in the car back into the ballet gear and go back and do another two or three hours of ballet on a Saturday afternoon. And so that was my entire Saturday. And by Saturday night, I would be have heat stroke and I'd be throwing up and I wouldn't have eaten all day. And it just got to a point where my mum said, no, you can't keep doing this. You've got to choose one or the other. And it wasn't actually a hard choice for me. Um, I think much to my godmother's shock and disgust. It was, um, it was, I definitely had, even though I was probably nowhere near as talented as a ballet dancer, I, I definitely loved the dancing and it was my passion and it's probably still my passion. And I've never been like, you know, um, at a high level in terms of, I haven't been with the Australian ballet or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I think that it was, I think that was that, um, it took it. I mean, it's given me a whole career. So yeah, and and you say you know not not successful, quote unquote. But I mean, you did do five years of ballet full time. I did, and have a a, a bachelor's degree in dance. dance I do, which and my and my ARAD, It's a major yeah. in in ballet, isn't it? Or is it, it wasn't a major in ballet. Okay. It was dance, but um, we had to do ballet and modern dance. I mean, I've studied just about every style of dance. Mm. Um, it's just I did all the exams in ballet, but I've done tap, jazz, um, character, cabaret, mm. modern, contemporary, everything. But I did all my exams in ballet. So ballet was my massive passion. But, yeah. I mean, when you're a ballet dancer or when you're a dancer, you can't just do one. You need to you experience need to be all multi-disciplined. of them. 
And I mean, it was also because I was pretty young when I finished high school. So I was able to do five years of full-time ballet. In this day and age, a lot of girls or a lot of girls or boys um, leave school early to go to do full-time dance before they finish year 12. Um, I didn't do that. I finished year 12, but I was only 16 when I finished year 12. So I was pretty young. And so the five years then that I did full-time, including my three-year degree, still only took me to 21. So um, I was probably lucky in that way. I didn't feel like I needed to choose between school and ballet. I could finish high school and then do the ballet and I was still young enough to do that. So I was probably lucky. Yeah, and and I think that we've we've talked quite a bit about you making the transition then in into teaching and how the teaching was always kind of there. But for you, in terms of your ballet career, what was or or you know your your ballet life experience in general? What do you think is what's the moment? You know, what's the moment that you look back on and you go? that was me at the height of my ability, at the height of my my passion for it, you know, still passionate about it, but but what for you was kind of the peak of, of that part of your life? Um, so in 88, <clears throat> uh, which was an expo year here in Queensland, I did, um, it was my last year before I went to uni, so it was the year I did my advanced RAD exam. It was a pretty busy year. I did my – I was a full-time ballet student. I did my advanced RAD exam. I danced at World Expo, so we danced at World Expo. I didn't mm. – I actually danced at World Expo in two different things. I auditioned for it and got into World Expo on stage, which was a um, – it was a collage um, show. It had skateboarders. It had roller skaters. It had ballet dancers. It had acrobats. It had everything right. in it. And so that happened at the River Stage and at QPAC for just a number of performances, but we rehearsed for that for about five months. So I had to go to Brisbane every weekend for rehearsals for that. But we also, in my ballet school, we danced at Expo in a pavilion as well. So I performed in a pavilion at Expo. I performed on the River Stage at Expo. I performed at QPAC at Expo and I did my ARD my advanced RAD exam and we did a season um, with the ballet company as well where I performed, I was the Wicked Witch in, um, the Wicked Queen in Sleeping Beauty. You were Um, Maleficent. I was Maleficent in Sleeping Beauty. So um, big, that big horns. Yeah, is that why you a, love Maleficent so well, much? I had a massive. Yes. I did have a massive headdress that went with a very heavy dress that I had to wear, and I had to do a lot of turns on point. And the dress was a lot heavier than I was, so I had to stop the dress from turning me. Right. Um, it wanted to keep turning me, and I had to be going back the other way. So that was a bit of a skill as well. So that was probably eighty-eight was probably, and that was also the year that I. Um, auditioned for and got into three universities mm-hmm. um, to do a dance degree and got to choose the one that I went to. So, yeah, that was a pretty big... What were your options there? So I got into Kelvin Grove in Brisbane, into yep. the dance course, the dance degree up there. I got into South Australia, into the University of South Australia to do it there and I got into the VCA and that was where I chose. I chose to move to Melbourne for three years and do the VCA. 
Mm. Yeah. So I got into the three of them and I got to choose. So that was probably the year. That was probably the year. Yeah. There you go. Mm. Okay. Well, I think that we've pretty much covered anything. Uh, Cooper, do you have any, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've been cooking up bits this entire time. Have you got anything interesting to say? Mm. Um, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. He doesn't think so. Well, Mum, thank you very much for um, coming to this side of the studio door um, or the stage door. Thank you very much for uh, talking to us about your organised life, organised home and organised crime, no, question my, mark. My Wait, aim, that's still no, there. My aim to have an organised life and an organised home, I wouldn't say I'm always Sorry, successful at it. It's a goal, you're good. It's a goal. Your great and or good and or cruel intentions. I don't know. There's a lot of question marks so in my notes here. <laughs> so you failed at the organised life bit. Failed at the organised home, but you've succeeded in the organised crime. I bit. don't think that's accurate. <laughs> I don't well, think that's an accurate statement, Cooper. I think everything is accurate about it. I don't think so. Right, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say everything that I say is accurate, but I don't want to put you guys off. I'm sorry if it hasn't been a very exciting episode with a lot of yeehaws like usual. It's don't worry, been quite it boring. hasn't. Yay! It's probably well, quite you know, boring. we've got to we've got to change change up the energy every now and again. Yeah, people people are saying that they want to hear a bit less of Cooper, and I think we've achieved that's that in lie. this episode. So Let, that's a lie. Let's hear another year. Oh, sorry, you hit the wrong button. <laughs> sorry, you hit the wrong button. Totally didn't plan that one. Oh dear. <sighs> <laughs> Honestly, Go and clean out your bedroom, co-host. A bit of organized. I'm sorry. A bit of I've got the cleaner bedroom out of these two. I'm sorry. No, you don't. Yes, I do. That's only because everything you own is in a backpack. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yes, it is. I've got a few essentials in there. What all of you don't know is that Cooper walks around every day with a backpack of all of his things. I have to say, Bailey, that when you were younger, probably not 14, but when you were younger, you used to walk around with a backpack full of ha! essentials as well. Well, you know, not when I was 14. <laughs> yes, but, <laughs> yes, but I... I had my backpack phase when I was watching Dora. What's your excuse? Yeah, but I actually need stuff, so <laughs> I need to carry stuff. <laughs> right. For what purpose? You're like a snail. You Why carry are you falling stuff off your chair? Your <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> into the you mic. You can cut that out. No, I'm leaving it in. I'm a dog. Right, okay. I'm the family pet. I have been calling you my, I have been saying for years that I have a puppy and his name is Cooper. I have a request. I want to hear some more tell me whys in the podcast. Cause tell I love me it why. When, I love when they tell me why. Ain't whys nothing but a heartache. Tell me why. We're going to talk about some stuff. And not get copyrighted. That's getting old. Yeah, no, I like the tell me whys. So do more no. Well, no. we'll try and fit one in in a fortnight when we have our next episode of the main show. Uh, yes. Next, next week you can expect to see another episode of our show, Filmic Feelings. We are oh, talking yeah. next Filmic week. Filmic Feelings next week. What are we talking about, Cooper? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that is not the button he meant to push, but honestly, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, what were we saying? Oh, yeah, Mission Impossible this <laughs> week, next week for full McFeelings. Um, and the week after that, we have another episode of the main show. Which? Which, Cooper's, nah. if, if you've missed Cooper talking in this episode, you're pretty much exclusively going to hear him in the next episode. And he's uh, putting his hand in front of my microphone. We are going to, yes, so you can stop talking. We are going to be talking about Vroom Vroom, the car world. Yes, we're going to be talking about, um, what are we going to be talking about, Cooper? We're going to be talking about uh, some of the new cars that have been announced. We'll probably end up talking about the F1 season. And when I say we, I mean almost exclusively Cooper and I'll just be kind of contributing some hmm hmm i'm not sure i don't know um but we look forward to seeing you again uh next week for our other show and the week after for our next episode of the main show mum thank you very much for joining us thanks. hope you've had a fun time thanks for having me boys i like how she didn't say anything about whether she had a fun I time i did have or a not. fun time okay there we go that's affirming. I mean, talking about myself isn't my favourite thing to do, but, um, yeah, I did have a fun time. Well, it's you fine. Know. You don't have to come on again if you don't want to. Cooper. <laughs> it's teenagers. True. That's your mother. <laughs> Treat your mother with some respect. Go clean your room. All right, everyone. We'll see you next episode. Bye. 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 Yay.